You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC Fight Island 2 event, which takes place on Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC Fight Island 2 features a 12-fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN Plus this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a heavyweight contest between Sergey Spivak, who is 10-2, and and Carlos Felipe, who is 8-0. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? A couple quick notes here before we get rolling. Make sure you head over to UFC Fight Pass and check out UFC On The Line for UFC 251. I realize 251 is behind us, but we did do... Uh, more fights than just the 251 card for that show. It's more of a Fight Island edition of UFC on the line. So make sure you head over to Fight Pass, click on UFC 251 on the line and check it out because we do, like I said, give some good tips and uh, some bets on that on the line show. And also the opening odds that I'm quoting for this podcast are coming from MMAOddsBreaker.com, the opening odds article for UFC Fight Night, um, Figueredo Benavides 2 by Adam Martin. That's the article that I'm quoting. And the updated lines are actually going to be from Circa Sports. The current betting lines that I'll be quoting are from Circa Sports here in Las Vegas. So that's where the odds information is coming from, in case those of you guys out there are wondering. Getting right into the first fight, um, it's man, it's a great fight to start things off because I don't think we're going to see it last very long. Should be some fireworks. Felipe open minus 130. Spivak open plus 110. And right now what we're seeing over at Circa Sports, a Spivak minus 165, the comeback of Felipe at plus 145. So needless to say, the line flipped. Not much faith in Felipe here early on. Some sharp action, confirmed sharp action did come in on Spivak, and it obviously caused a little bit of steam and caused the line to flip like it has right now. And basically what you have here is your striker versus grappler type of matchup. I mean, Felipe is more of your brawler, powerful, heavy hitter that's going to come in looking to take your head off scenario kind of narrative here against uh, Spivak, which is obviously going to look to take this fight to the floor, do what he does best, get on top, look for that submission, look to pound away, and just look for positional control and to look for the finish. So that's what's going to happen here. I think it's your classic grappler versus uh, striker matchup here. And again, the sharp money did come in on Spivak for a reason. I think he does have a significant advantage on the ground. I think his takedown ability is actually underrated, and he could probably get this fight to the floor. If he doesn't, that's where Philippe is going to be a little bit more dangerous, of course, and more capable. Uh, Philippe is going to be able to, like I said, land some harder punches on the feet. So Spivak has to get this fight to the ground. He has to fight smart and take advantage of his strength, which is the ground game. So I'm going to pick Spivak to win. I think the ground advantage is so glaring that that's his path to victory and it's clear. So if he could survive on the feet against Felipe long enough to kind of tangle him up, get him to the floor, I think he's going to win this fight by stoppage, obviously, on the ground. So my pick is Spivak to get the W over Felipe. And I agree. Uh, going back and watching Spivak's uh, fight against Tui Tui Vasa, um, 
it was pretty apparent that Spivak does have a decent wrestling game and just grappling in general. Um, he was able to take Tuivasa down with, you know, a double leg takedown. He was able to take him down uh, in clinches along the fence. He was able to time uh, leg kicks to grab one and take him down. And he also was able to even throw him judo style. And Tui, Tuivasa is a big athletic guy. So that was impressive. Uh, you know, that was a guy he was... Tuivasa was ranked at heavyweight when Spivak beat him. Um, now, obviously, Spivak has also, you know, lost convincingly in the UFC. He's one and two. Um, Tibora was able to utilize uh, superior wrestling and get top position against Spivak in uh, his last fight. And in Spivak's UFC debut, he just got completely overwhelmed by a swarming Walt Harris who just started throwing huge combinations of punches and Spivak just could not keep up. Now, maybe if Spivak was able to get a takedown, that fight could have been a different story. But, you know, Spivak did not look good in that fight. And that's what I'm a little bit concerned about here because Felipe is, you know, an aggressive brawler. Um, he throws uh, some big looping hooks um, and he's big and strong. So if Spivak can't take this fight to the floor, it's possible Felipe could just overwhelm him with big punches. Um, so that's my main concern. That being said... uh you know, Felipe has not fought in about three years in MMA because he had a two-year suspension from USADA. So he also, you know, could be fighting, you know, clean for the first time in his career. And that also is a concern. You know, maybe, you know, his run in Brazil where he was getting all these TKO wins, you know, that was marred by him just being, you know, on steroids the whole time. So... Uh, that being said, Felipe is still just 25 years old, despite having not fought in three years. So he could have added a lot to his game. There's a lot of unknowns with this fight. But the one thing we do know is that Spivak does have a good ground game and the ability to take the fight to the floor. And while Felipe has been able to fend off takedowns for the most part, I don't think he's faced somebody with the ground game or the ability to get the fight to the floor of Spivak. So... Um, while there is a little bit of hype around Felipe because of him being undefeated and so young in the heavyweight division, I'm going to side with Spivak here. I think he does wear Felipe down with takedowns similar to what he did to Tuivasa, who I view as a better version of Felipe, and Spivak was able to have success against him. So I, I'm going to side with Spivak. I think he repeatedly takes Felipe down and maybe even taps him out along the way. Now, moving on and dropping down to the lightweight division, we have Davi Ramos, who is 10 and 3, taking on Armin Surukian, who is 14 and 2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Sarukian opened minus 230, the comeback on Ramos at plus 195. And right now over at Circus Sports, Sarukian is minus 215, the comeback on Ramos is at plus 185. So two reaction is coming into this fight. It initially dropped a little bit with action coming out of Ramos. Now we're seeing some more action coming in at Sarukian's way as we get closer to fight day. Um, so I think we will be pretty split as far as the betting window goes in most sports books because Ramos is definitely going to earn some respect as an underdog at a decent price. But I think some of the sharper betters are going to come in and hit Sarukian, honestly. So this this line might elevate a little bit more than what it is right now. I think stylistically, it's just a tough matchup for Ramos. I have a ton of respect for this guy. He's got great BJJ. I mean, one of the best, you know, ground practitioners in the weight class for sure. He's a threat everywhere the fight takes place. Even his stand-up is getting better. His boxing's legit. He's got power behind it. He's got quick hands. So he became one of these grapplers that just 
was a really uh, excelled in that particular area and got better and improved his stand-up game where he needed to to get more complete as a fighter. So I respect that Ramos for sure. So he's a threat everywhere the fight takes place. I just think stylistically it's a tough matchup. Sarukian's one of these fighters, in my opinion. He's the future of this weight class. I mean, he's just such a good athlete. He's got a good grinding style, really good wrestling, really good control game. His stand-up is getting better all the time. He pushes a, a pretty high pace, and he could actually stifle you as well. So he doesn't have to push the high pace. He could actually slow this fight down, grind you out a little bit, push you up against a cage, kind of hold you there, grab your back, try to take you down that way. I love his kicking game. I think his kicks are definitely on point, whether it's to the body or to the head. Um, you got to be cautious in that area as well. His striking, his boxing is getting a little bit better too. So I just think it's going to be one of these fights where he's the younger, fresher fighter. I think he's going to be able to do more damage on the feet against Ramos. I think he's going to be able to kind of control and stifle Ramos along the way and just kind of ragdoll him at times. I mean, Ramos isn't easy to ragdoll. You got to be careful while you're doing that. But I think Sarukin is at the point right now in his career where he's confident enough to even against a high-level grappler like Ramos to kind of still get those body lock takedowns or try to get around his waist. It's not going to be easy, like I said, but he's going to make this his type of fight, and I think he's going to win on the scorecards or maybe even get a finish if he can do enough damage along the way, but I think more likely it's going to hit the scorecards with Saruki and kind of getting a 30 to 27, 29, 28, but a clear enough decision win over Ramos. So my pick is Sarukian. Um, I think there's value still. If you're, if you're getting especially under minus 200, which some sports books have out there right now, I think you could probably take a stab at it. I mean, I think this line should definitely be higher than what it currently is. You got to respect Ramos. You can't go too crazy with it, but it's Sarukian. It's a favorite or pass situation in my opinion. And my pick is Sarukian to win. And I agree. Uh, Ramos is pretty talented. I mean, this guy hits pretty hard on the feet and he does have a strong submission game, but Sarukian, I think can hold his own with Ramos. I think he's actually a little bit more technical than Ramos, um, on the feet. And then on the ground, while Sarukian isn't a super strong submission guy there, um, not quite to, to Ramos's level. I do think Sarukian has the ability to get takedowns in top position potentially. So, uh, basically, Ramos needs to either hurt Sarukian on the feet um, with a big shot or wrap him up with something if Sarukian's looking for a takedown. And I think that those are a little bit more unlikely. Um, and I don't think Ramos can push enough of a pace that he can steal rounds on the feet either. Um, so this fight really boils down to can Ramos land that big shot. Now, Sarukian did eat a decent shot against uh, Aubin Mercier in his last fight, but he was able to withstand it. Uh, and then keep going and keep grinding and uh, eventually wore Aubin Mercier down to, and won a pretty, uh, you know, a strong decision, guaranteed two out of three rounds. So, uh, and I think Aubin Mercier is just as good as Ramos, if not better. And Sarukian just keeps getting better every time we see him. Uh, so while I think uh, Ramos, we've probably seen the best we're going to see out of him. Because you got to remember, Sarukian's 23 years old. So... You know, this guy, the, you know, sky's the limit with him. And as he continues to evolve, I think uh, we're going to just keep seeing more and more out of him. Uh, I think the stand-up's going to get even crisper. The takedowns are going to get better. And then he's going to get even more dangerous when he is in top position on the ground as he continues to evolve as well. So um, I just think Sarukian has more tools here to win. So I'm going to side with him. I think uh, he wins a relatively one-sided decision, if not potentially uh, finishing him if he continues to uh, add more to his game. Now, dropping down to the flyweight division, we have Malcolm Gordon, who is 12 and 3, taking on Amir Albazi, who is 12 and 1. Now, Nick, 
Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Albazi open minus 135, the comeback on Gordon at plus 115. And right now over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Albazi minus 165, Gordon plus 145. So that's been about steady. We're holding steady minus 165. This line at other places have been bouncing kind of back and forth a little bit up and down. Um, I do think that this line has potential to drop a little bit further, uh, maybe closer to the opening line before the fight actually happens. This is a great fight. I mean, both these guys making their UFC debuts. Both these guys are welcome addition to the flyweight division. I think it's going to be exciting. I think you can really see growth in their games. If you look at their past fights in comparison to where they are right now, I mean, I'm nothing but impressed, man. Albazi's only loss is to Shorty Torres. And I know Shorty Torres isn't on the UFC roster anymore, but man, he's one of the better flyweights in the world for sure. And he's been recognized as so. So that's not necessarily a bad loss for Albazi. Albazi has that grinding style. Um, he's got decent stand up overall as well, but he's got that kind of wrestling and that pressure that he puts on you that's very difficult to deal with. But Gordon, on the other hand, I think he's got a little bit of a striking advantage over, um, Abazi. Um, of course, he's also been training with Bazooka Joe. Um, uh, which is, you know, one of the best glory kickboxers of all time. I mean, the guy's phenomenal out of Canada, so uh makes a lot of sense that his striking is going to be a little bit better. So he's got that slick striking on the feet, but he also has a ground game to go along with it. I think that, uh, you know, Gordon actually has, has been very impressive. He's got that kind of length, and he knows how to kind of use that body, use that wrestling uh, to his advantage. And once he gets you on the ground, I mean, he's quick with the submissions as well. So you could see a lot of promise in both of these guys' game, and I think it's going to be a back-and-forth type of fight. It's going to be a war, man. I mean, this is going to be an excellent fight. So it's, in my opinion, it's a dog or pass situation. You really can't lay the chalk on Albazi here. I'm going to pick him to win slightly. There's a slight lean towards him because I think he does have the better wrestling here, and that could be enough to kind of edge him the fight against Gordon. So as far as a pick goes, I will lean slightly towards Albazi. But as far as laying the chalk here, I can't do it. There's no way. I think, like I said, it's a dogger pass situation. I think Gordon continues to improve, and he's going to have some physical attributes over. I mean, he's going to be a little bit longer than Albazi, I think. Um, and if he could get some takedowns in his own right, or I think even if he could keep this fight upright, he could probably land a little bit uh, more punishment on the feet as well. So there's some things to like about Gordon as a dog for sure. I just still slightly lean towards Albazi as a pure pick. So my pick is Obazi, but it's a dog or pass situation. Yeah, it's always tough when you have two guys making their UFC debut that are both pretty talented. And you got to factor in that they're both taking this fight on short notice as well. Um, with uh, Gordon st- originally filling in um, for Ulan Bekloff and then Albazi stepping in after uh, Duskalchik pulled out. So we basically have two replacement fighters stepping in to face each other on short notice. So I do think that that kind of cancels it out, though. So I don't think either guy will be at a serious advantage or disadvantage since they're both filling in. Um, so you just have to go based on skill set. And uh, Gordon, I think, is the slightly better striker. If it stays standing the whole time, I would favor him to win. Um, and I think Gordon potentially is the better submission fighter as well uh, if – Albazi leaves his neck out shooting for takedowns, Gordon could wrap something up. Uh, that being said, uh, Albazi, I think, is the more aggressive stand-up fighter in that he'll be trying to put Gordon on his back foot. And because there also will be the constant threat of takedowns from Albazi, that might make Gordon uh, a little bit uh, hesitant to really engage on the feet because if he overcommits to something, Albazi can put him on his back. So... Uh, even though I do think Gordon has a few more paths to victory, uh, I'm going to side with Albazi. I think um, 
forcing Gordon to, to think twice about some of his strikes is going to be a factor on the feet that will make this more competitive than it should in the standup. And then I think Elbazi does get takedowns here. And as long as Gordon doesn't tap him out from his back, um, I think Elbazi is going to do enough to, to win at least two out of three rounds and take a decision. So, uh, my pick is going to be Elbazi. Now moving up to the Bantamweight division, we have Brett Johns, who is 16 and two, taking on Montel Jackson, who is nine and one. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds maker's perspective on this one? Jackson opened minus 160, the comeback on Johns at plus 140. It skyrocketed up to almost 300-ish, and now it's back down to minus 200. So right now at Circus Sports, we have minus 200 Jackson, the comeback on Johns at plus 175. So, again, action all over the place on this card. I understand around this fight, I should say. I understand why. I mean, Montel Jackson is one of these guys that's definitely a hyped prospect, um, he's working his way up to title contention. A lot of people think he's the future of this weight class at bantamweight, obviously. And I mean, rightfully so. If you look at his frame, you look at his skill set, the guy is definitely a very talented, hard to deal with fighter. I mean, he has great striking. It's very fast, accurate. He's got length to go along with it. He knows how to utilize it. He's got power behind it. He's got really good wrestling. He's got decent takedown defense overall, decent grappling ability. He's got a good sub game. So he's basically the total package, but we did see a glaring weakness in his game. I mean, when he fought his UFC debut against Ricky Simone, Simone was able to kind of control him, get him down, and he struggled with that aspect of the game. And now Johns is going to look to do that. Johns is phenomenal, man. Johns has made me some cash throughout his UFC career, to be honest with you. I like the guy a lot. I love his attitude. I love his style. He's just one of these relentless grinders. Um, he's solid on the feet. He's not bad. Um, but again, as far as athleticism goes, you got to give the, the overall athleticism and the speed and, and the actual striking advantage to Jackson here in this spot. So it's going to be John's looking to kind of make this an ugly fight, slow it down, get close to Jackson, kind of get him down to the floor, grind him out as much as he possibly can. And basically, like I said, duplicate Simone's path to victory over Jackson um, when he fought him. And that was his only loss. So I think Johns is capable of doing some of that. I mean, it's tough. I, I really think, I know it's a popular dog play right now. It seems like all of the MMA community right now, if you're on an underdog in this card, Brett Johns is the dog that everybody kind of backing and supporting. I understand it. Um, I think it is a dog or pass situation. I can't really lay the chalk on Jackson here because I could, like I said, the path to victory for Johns is clear. Jackson's still yet to be, I guess, proven in that aspect. I mean, again, he's gotten better and he's fought some decent competition after that Simone loss, but this is another level, again, he's going to face that's going to look to do what he does best in Johns, and, and and we could see Jackson struggle in that spot. So that's why I'm not willing to lay minus 200 chalk here, but as far as a pure pick goes, again, I, I think I have to side with the better fighter that is Jackson. I mean, I just think he's more talented. And if he keeps his, the uh, distance and the space, I think he could pick Johns apart a little bit. If he could keep off his back, I think offensively he's got good enough wrestling to actually cause some problems, problems for Johns in that area too. So I can edge out the decision here to Jackson. I think it's going to be very tough for Jackson to finish Johns and vice versa. So I think this probably does hit the scorecards. And if so, I could see it being a very close 29, 28 competitive decision going Jackson's way. So I'll go against the grain right now, which is most people loving the dog here. Um, I do understand it and respect it. I do think it's a dog or pass situation. So from the betting window, I do understand why people are backing the dog. Like I said, you cannot lay the chalk here in my opinion. So I'm going to pick Jackson to win, but do not bet him at the betting window. I mean, I think, like I said, the action on Johns is probably accurate. And 
we'll see. I mean, it doesn't mean he's going to win the fight, but his path to victory is definitely there. So it's interesting to see how this fight's going to play out. But I do lean slightly more towards Jackson. And I'm right with you. Uh, the main thing for me is can Jackson utilize his distance? Because he's going to have a big edge in terms of height and reach and pure striking talent. So uh, Johns is not a bad striker, but against clearly superior strikers. I mean, it's it's pretty glaring what happens in there. Uh, the one thing that Johns does have going for him on the feet is he's tough as nails. So even though Jackson is a very solid technical striker and he hits really hard, I'm not convinced that Jackson will be able to finish Johns, even if he's lighting him up. Um, so the big concern, obviously, is if Jackson is doing well on the feet and is hurting or trying to put away Johns and he just tires himself out. Um, I do think Jackson does slow down a little bit in fights. So I would not be shocked to see Jackson start really strong and then see Johns take over, especially in round three. The main thing to think about is will Johns be able to take over before round three? And if he does take over in round three, can he get a finish? He did get a finish in his last fight. It was a close, uh, tough battle against Gravely. Um, and, uh, it was tied 1-1 headed to the third round, and Johns was able to get the finish there just to, to seal it. Um, that could happen this this time around. Um, but uh, on the feet, I do think there's a pretty stark advantage for, for Jackson. Um, that being said, you know, Jackson, um, while he is a really good athlete, and he actually does have a decent ground game, uh, Johns is the superior wrestler. It's just, will he be able to get inside? Because... Um, Jackson uses distance well. Like if he can keep Johns at bay and just keep popping him with some good straight shots without overcommitting, uh, I can definitely see Jackson outpointing Johns and winning a decision. It just boils down to can Johns close that distance and drag Jackson to the floor, ugly this fight up because the longer that Jackson's able to keep space, the better chance he has of winning. Um, so I'm going to side with Jackson, but I would not be shocked one bit if uh, Johns closes that distance and gets this to the floor and ends up winning. So uh, I understand the dog action, but I'm going to pick Jackson. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Joel Alvarez, who is 16-2, and two, taking on Joe Duffy, who is 16-4. and four. Now, Nick... Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Duffy opened minus 305, the comeback in Alvarez at plus 225. And right now, over at Circus Sports, we have Duffy minus 330, the comeback in Alvarez at plus 275. Not a ton of action going to come in on this fight. I think, if anything, Duffy's going to get probably thrown into parlays or whatnot. Um, a lot more support as far as public support should come in on Duffy. If you just look at the, the matchup in the skill level of these guys, it's clear to see who the better fighter is, Duffy. He is better in the stand-up game. He's been the better wrestler. Um, he's got decent offensive jiu-jitsu skills as well. He's just clearly a level above Alvarez as far as skill set goes. So I understand that. Uh, but I do like what I see from Alvarez as far as his toughness goes, as far as his, his conditioning goes. He's a very opportunistic fighter as well. So I think this fight's kind of tough, and he might be getting Duffy 
at the right time, if that makes sense. I know Alvarez is stepping up on short notice here, but I mean, conditioning is never really a big issue. Both these guys have been out for over a year. I think that hurts Duffy more so than it hurts Alvarez. I think Alvarez is going to be ready to fight. He's going to come in prepared as much as he can be, at least. And I, like I said, the toughness and conditioning is going to definitely be to his advantage, but he's going to have to weather the storm because Duffy might come in there and just light him up in that first round. Very possible. Duffy even maybe finish him in the first. But as this fight goes in round two, round three, despite Alvarez not having the skill or near the skill Duffy does, I think uh, he could present Duffy some problems just with his toughness and, and his conditioning and his cardio. Um, obviously, he's got a very good ground game to go along with it. So I think he could get Duffy in some trouble on the ground if he gets the opportunity to do so. If he, but he's going to have to probably survive that early storm. So I understand who clearly the better fighter here is. It's Duffy. But again, Duffy to me is kind of on the decline. He's only 32 years old, but I, I don't know. I just don't like what I see from him as of late. And I think Alvarez is one of these fighters that despite, you know, not being that great or not loving what I see on the feet from him, I think he continues to improve. I think again, the ground is definitely where it's at with him overall. I think he can present some problems to Duffy as the fight progresses a little bit. So I think it really is a dog or pass situation as crazy as that must, must sound to a lot of people that are listening right now, because I think Duffy is, like I said, clearly the better fighter, but I just don't trust him in this spot. I don't think you can lay minus 300 or over on Duffy. I mean, you can't trust him enough despite the big advantages that he has over Alvarez and skill. So my pick is Duffy to win, but I think it's realistically a dog or pass situation as crazy as that sounds. And I understand, you know, not trusting Duffy because he can be pretty unreliable at times. Um, he can start strong and then fade and get caught like he did in the James Vick fight. Um, he can just not show up, uh, and just get outworked like he did most recently against Di Casey. Um, so, you know, it's, it can be frustrating relying on him. Uh, but at times he shows up and looks amazing. Like, um, I thought he looked really good in the Ivan George fights, the Jake Lindsay fights. Granted, you know, those weren't exactly top tier UFC opponents, but, um, this time around, you know, Joel Alvarez is not that good. I mean, he does have a decent ground game, but he just does not have the wrestling to get it there. Um, so if he can't get the fight to the floor, I don't really see how he wins this fight. Uh, because on the feet, he's just not that good of a striker. He is tall and long and rangy, but he doesn't use it that well. He's not overwhelmingly powerful. Um, he doesn't throw with a really high volume. So on the feet, Joe Duffy, who is, has a pretty strong boxing background, should just be able to light him up. Um, and unless Duffy runs out of steam and just allows super easy takedowns, which he shouldn't, um, he should win this fight convincingly. But stranger things have happened and Duffy has been tough to rely on in the past. So I can understand people having second thoughts about it, but I have to go with Joe Duffy here. He's just by far the better fighter and he should win uh, by decision or TKO. Now dropping down to a 150 pound catch weight, we have Grant Dawson, who is 15 and one taking on Nad Naramini, who is 12 and three. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds makers perspective on this one? Dawson open minus 260 to come back on Armini at plus 220. And right now what we're seeing at Circus Sports is Dawson minus 240 to come back on Armini at plus 205. So a little bit more love on the dog here. And you know what? Again, another spot where I can understand the action. Armini's legit, man. I mean, he's a very well-rounded fighter, very capable. I like what I see in all aspects of his game, honestly. I mean, he's not a bad striker. Uh, he has some power on the feet. He's very experienced coming from the Cage Warriors organization before he hit the UFC, of course. He's got decent wrestling and a decent jiu-jitsu game. So another well-rounded, savvy vet 
in this spot taking on just a phenom in Grand Austin. I mean, that's the problem here, I think, for Naramani. I think that he's just running up against a young gun that's on the rise big time here. And I think he's going to be a little bit quicker. He's going to be a little bit stronger as far as I think a little bit more explosive. I think he's going to be able to probably dictate and control the wrestling here. I think he's going to probably be able to do a little bit more damage on the feet. Although defensively, I think Narmani might be a little bit better. Dawson is hittable and he, he does get uh, hit a little bit too often for my uh, liking, honestly, at times, but he he's able to absorb it most of the time and he's able to push right through it and not let him affect it him too bad. And of course, he's one of these guys. Again, I told you he's 26 years old. He's always getting better coming from glory MMA fitness. I think James Krause has done wonders for his career, and I think he's going to continue to push this kid to the next level. So the hype is legit around Dawson. I think he's getting a big test here, though, in Narmani, and I think it's it's not going to be an easy fight. I think Narmani is definitely going to have um, his moments in this fight. I just think Dawson is just going to be too much for him basically across the board. So another spot where it's hard to lay the chalk here, I think it's a good stern test for Dawson. So I'm not saying go out there and lay minus 240. I do think he's going to win the fight, though. So my pick is Dawson. I would probably just stay away from this fight at the betting window as well. But I think it is going to be a great fight. Yeah, Dawson's really talented. I mean, this kid has a strong wrestling game, good takedowns, um, good ground and pound, good top control, and pretty good submissions. He also has uh, pretty strong conditioning. I mean, I, I kind of call this guy the king of the second round because throughout the course of his career, um, he just has repeatedly put guys away in the second round. Uh, this was before even his time in the UFC where his last uh, – were three – of his last four fights, he has finished guys in the second round by rear naked choke. So he just wears people down and then puts them away. Um, and while on the feet, though, um, this does get interesting. Naramani is a pretty talented striker. He hits hard. So if Dawson is having trouble taking this to the floor, this does get a little bit interesting. That being said, um, Naramani... While he has had some success in the UFC, his last fight against Mike Grundy, um, he was repeatedly hit with a big right hand, and he actually got, even after hurting Grundy in the second round, he got a little over-aggressive, got caught, and got put away. So, And that was Grundy's, I think, first TKO victory of his entire career. So that was that was pretty surprising. So he's coming off of a stoppage loss, and now he's taking on a guy that's 3-0 and in the UFC, uh, 4-0 if you count his uh, Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series fight, too. So Dawson seems like a really legit guy. It, it almost seems like they're feeding Naramani to him. But um, you know, Dawson can't get cocky because Naramani is pretty talented and he's got some pop and he's a decent striker. But um, I expect Dawson to repeatedly be uh, pushing for takedowns, putting Naramani on the defensive, and eventually either uh, getting a stoppage on the ground or at least winning a decision and grinding this out. So Dawson's going to be my pick. I don't think that that's a huge surprise here. Now, moving up to the light heavyweight division for the preliminary card headliner, we have Kadis Ibrahimov, who is eight and two taking on Roman Delize, who is six and zero. Oh. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Delice open minus 180, Ibrahimov plus 155. At Circus Sports right now, we are seeing Delice minus 177, Ibrahimov at plus 152. 
I think it's a case where we're not going to see a ton of action on this fight. A lot of people are going to kind of be scratching their heads, rightfully so. I think it's a very tough one to bet. Ibrahimov is an underdog. He's very tempting. I think he's the better overall fighter, honestly. I just think he's a front runner. And if Delice can kind of get past the first round, I think the tide changes completely. Delice in the first round could have success. Don't get me wrong. He's a powerhouse. He's definitely um, a very decent fighter making his debut as an undefeated prospect or whatnot. But uh, Ibrahimov, I think, again, is just a little bit better. I think his striking is a little bit more on point. I think he can do a little bit more damage. He throws very hard, though, and that tends to wear him out because he can't just pace himself. And again, his conditioning is his biggest flaw, in my opinion. So he's very hittable, especially after that. So Delite is going to have to probably weather that early storm. I think Ibrahimov is going to probably look better early on in this fight. But as the fight progresses, I think Delice is going to probably take over and look a little bit better, either win this on the scorecards or maybe even get a late finish because he does have that kind of power. So kind of a tough one at the betting window. Again, I'm personally going to stay away from it. Again, you can't lay the chalk on Delice here because I think he's not a great fighter, but I don't think you can kind of trust Ibrahimov as a dog either. So it's a pass for me, but I'll pick Delice to get the W here over Ibrahimov. Not a confident pick. Ibrahimov has just been so disappointing so far in his UFC run. I mean, he came into the UFC 8-0 with a wave of hype, and then he gassed in his UFC debut and ended up getting choked out in the third round by Jung. Um, and then he goes and just doesn't show up and drops a decision to Ed Herman, of all people, at light heavyweight. Um, you know, that was a fight that I think they were trying to spoon-feed him to get him to bounce back, and he just, again, uh, laid a dud. So... Uh, Delite is another guy that it feels like, you know, UFC's given up on Ibrahimov and they're like, all right, let's see what this other guy can do. Uh, Delite's, uh, freak striker. I mean, not the most talented, but just hits really hard, really aggressive, and he can keep going and keep up a pace. So unlike, uh, Ibrahimov, who gasses in his fights, uh, Delite, you know, his last fight, he ends up getting a beautiful spinning back fist knockout in the third round. Now, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that it's going to be a cakewalk here, but I think as long as Delite shows up and the same Ibrahimov shows up that we've seen so far, this is a very winnable fight for Delite. Uh, I'm not saying that he'll be able to knock Ibrahimov out. I think that this could get interesting, but I favor Delite. I just think he's got the momentum. He's coming in with, uh, you know, that undefeated record. He wants to make an impression in his UFC debut. And as long as the lights... Uh, of the octagon aren't too bright for him. I think Delite gets the job done. So uh, it feels like they're feeding Ibrahim off to Delite, but I could be wrong. But I think Delite gets the win either by decision or TKO. Now, kicking off the main card in the flyweight division, we have Alexander Pantoja, who is 22-4, and taking on Askar Askarov, who is 11-0-1. Now, Nick. What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Pantoja open minus 180 to come back in Askarov plus 155 right now over at Circa Sports. We are seeing Pantoja minus 182 to come back on Askarov at plus 157. Another fight that's going to draw two-way action. A lot of great support, I think, for both these guys as far as the fan base goes. I mean, these are two of the best flyweights in the world. Make no mistake about it. Askarov, a little bit more of the... New blood in the UFC, um, to say the least. I think he's obviously done phenomenal in his couple matchups that he's had uh, with wins over Elliott and that draw over Moreno. That was a crazy fight, um, but very good performances, I think. And I think he's the type of fighter that, again, is a welcome addition to the flyweight division. 
you can see why he's just a have a grinder. He's got that speed. He's got that relentless pressure. He does tend to slow down a little bit as the fight progresses. And against Pantoja, he's going to have to definitely be cautious because Pantoja, man, in my opinion, he looks better and better. He's got the total skill set. Of course, he's more well-known for, I think, his grappling aspect. I mean, he's a great jiu-jitsu practitioner, but on the feet, he's become a really – solid threat too. I mean, any where the fight takes place, Pantoja can actually finish you. He's proven that time and time again. Um, his stand-up continues to get better. He's got that toughness about him too that, that I really love because even if he gets rocked, this guy's going to come right back and get in your face and put the pressure back on you. So Pantoja is legit and it's scary how much improvement he has made as of late. So I think this is just going to be an awesome fight. Again, Askarov is kind of one of these guys on the rise. Um, he's a couple years younger than Pantoja, but make no mistake. I mean, Pantoja is going to be game here. He, I think he's obviously the favorite for a reason in this spot. I think it's a kind of a, a big test and step up in competition, even more so for Askarov here. So I like the way they're kind of progressing Askarov. If he can get a win over Pantoja, I mean, this guy is definitely taking himself to the next level and he's on the brink of a title shot. If that's the case, cause Pantoja is right there. So I think it's just going to be an awesome fight. It's tough. Um, another tough spot at the betting window because I think you can't really lay the chalk on Pantoja here because there's a possibility he does get out grinded in this spot by Askarov. Askarov is going to look for the takedowns. Pantoja has been t- put on his back at times and controlled. He does have a pretty nasty guard, uh, so Askarov has to be cautious. But, I mean, with a wrestler grinder that's going to try to take you down and kind of utilize that game plan, it's kind of tough to lay almost 200 against a guy like that. So it's, it's another dog or pass situation, honestly. But, I am going to lean with Pantoja. As far as a pure pick coin flip goes, I got to lean Pantoja's way. I just think he's more developed overall right now. I think he's more of a striking threat. I think he could do some damage even on the ground as well. He's a threat for sure to Askarov. Askarov's wrestling might be a little bit better, but Pantoja will have his moments in that department as well. So overall, I think Pantoja's a little bit ahead of Askarov, and like I said, in the, at this moment in time. But Askarov's improvement and his confidence and his, I think, getting more comfortable with the cage time in the UFC is only going to improve. So Ascroft's going to keep on showing up um, better and better. So this is going to be a really close fight, competitive fight, split decision type of fight. That's why I think it's a dog or pass situation. But as far as a pure pick goes again, picks and bets are two completely things. I'm going to pick Pantoja to get the slight win or slight edge, I should say, and uh, get the W here. But what a fight it should be in the flyweight division. Looking forward to it. And I'm going to come in the other way. Um, Askarov is not quite the striker of Pantoja. He doesn't quite have the submission skills of Pantoja, but what he does have is some good aggression and uh, superior wrestling. And I think that that is going to be um, what helps him get the win here. Um, it kind of reminds me of a fight earlier on the card uh, with uh, Albazi against Gordon, where, yeah, he doesn't quite have the, the submission Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu doesn't quite have uh, the power on the feet or the tech mixing it up on the feet, but sometimes that doesn't matter if uh, your advantage skill is enough. And I think with Askarov that if he can keep getting takedowns and as long as he doesn't get caught with like a triangle choke or something while Pantoja's on his back and if Pantoja can't get a sweep, then I just see Askarov grinding out a win here. And again, just like in the other fight, um, I feel like Pantoja might be a little bit hesitant to throw everything he's got on the feet because it could lead to takedowns. And that actually will allow Askarov to be more competitive on the feet than he should. Um, Askarov is a guy that I think has a lot of talent and he's getting better. And uh, he's still just 27 years old as well. Um, while, you know, Pantoja is, you know, also a young, talented fighter. 
I just think that the wrestling is going to be the huge X factor in this fight. And unless Pantoja is really able to score some serious points during the stand-up exchanges or put Askarov in a bad position on the ground after being taken down, um, I see Askarov you know, grinding this out and getting uh, a big upset win. So I'm going to side with Askarov, but again, Pantoja does have more ways to win. So that's something you do, you should factor in. Now, Sticking with the flyweight division, moving over to the women, we have Ariane Lipsky, who is 12 and 5, taking on Luana Carolina, who is 6 and 1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Lipsky minus 125, Carolina minus 105, and right now over at Circa Sports, we are seeing um, Lipsky minus 120, the comeback in Carolina, even money. And another fight that's going to draw a lot of two-way action, a lot of split opinions on this fight. I understand why it's a high level of women's fight, um, that these ladies are going to stand and bang and bring it, man. I mean, it should be fun, honestly. I mean, I could see and make a case for both sides in this fight because I think Carolina obviously has a little bit more length. I think she's got a better movement overall. She's got, might have a little bit more speed. Um, and she makes these things up fairly decent. She's a little awkward in her striking, not sloppy, but a little bit awkward. And that could cause some problems for Lipsky. But Lipsky, on the other hand, she's fun to watch on the feet, man. Violence Queen is a fitting nickname for her because she loves to bring it. She's not afraid to get hit, uh, to land her own shots as well along the way. I mean, I love watching her fight because it's exciting. Unfortunately, she started off her career with two tough losses, but she was able to bounce back, um, last time out and get a W here. So, and those two losses, I mean, they were respectable losses for sure. I think she was very game in those fights. Uh, Carolina, of course, on the other hand, I, I mean, I think she's another one of these fighters that's only on the rise. She's only going to get better the more comfortable she gets in the octagon. Of course, she had a winner in the contender series to get the spot in the UFC and then had a very solid UFC debut win as well. So I think this is going to be, like I said, fireworks from start to finish and a very tough one at the betting window and for the judges to score. I mean, I think both these ladies are going to have their moments. I'm going to lean a little bit towards Lipsky. I think she's going to be the more steady fighter. I think she's going to be the one pushing forward a little bit more where Carolina is going to be a little bit more on her bike. And I think Lipsky is going to be landing the harder shots along the way. She's going to be eating some, though, as well, and Carolina might look to take this to the floor because that's kind of been Lipsky's, Lipsky's kryptonite thus far. So Lipsky has to sprawl, brawl, keep this fight upright for sure, and I think she could probably edge this fight out. So slight edge for me with Lipsky, but, man, this should be fun, and it should be another close one. Yeah, Lipsky does have some talent. Um, her big issue so far has been uh, getting taken down. That happened in the Calderwood fight. That happened in the McCann fight. Um and while I don't think that Carolina has, you know, the the wrestling to get big takedowns and has a big ground edge in this fight, I do think that Carolina is uh, a little bit more well-rounded than Lipsky. Um, and also factoring in what Nick said, that Carolina has some good striking technique. She's a little bit taller and rangier. Um, and she does hit hard. She has some TKO victories in her career. Um, I think this is going to be a really competitive, exciting fight. And it could honestly go either way. It just kind of depends on uh, who lands the bigger shots, who's more active. And I think with Carolina having a little bit of that reach advantage, I think that there's going to be a better chance for her to uh, connect a little bit more often. And you factor in that there is the possibility that Carolina could take this fight to the floor. Um, I'm going to side with Carolina, actually, the the slight underdog. I think that she just has a few more paths to victory, and on the feet, it's going to be close anyway. And Carolina could win there, but she also could mix it up and uh, cause Lipsky to lose the way that she's lost so far in her UFC run. 
So this should be a lot of fun while it lasts. It could go all 15 minutes, but uh, I do think that Carolina just has a few slight edges that could help her pull this out. So my pick is going to be Carolina. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Mark Diakasey, who is 14 and 3, taking on Rafael Fiziev, who is 7 and 1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Diakasey minus 230, Fiziev plus 195 was the opener. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Dicasey minus 165. They come back on Fiziev at plus 145. So more dog action coming in early on as far as market-wide. On Fiziev, I understand it, man. The guy, I'll tell you what, after a stunning debut loss in the UFC, he bounced back very well in his last fight and showed us what kind of skill, what kind of hype he had coming into that debut that he delivered, man. Fizioff is a very good fighter, obviously striking. It's where it's at with him. I mean, he's uh, the striking coach at Tiger Muay Thai. So that says a lot right there alone. I mean, he's definitely a very high level, accurate, powerful striker that pushes a high pace. But Die Casey, man, on the other end of it, I think he's been great. He's only getting better. Um, I've been one of these guys that through his career has bet against him in one and have bet on him in one. So I've been able to pick Die Casey fights fairly well. Um, and I see the improvements in his game. I mean, the athleticism, the speed, the power, the wrestling's getting better. Everything you'd like to see in a fighter improving with Die Casey. I mean, he, he has it. So. This for Fizioff is a very tough, tough fight. I think I lean Dai Casey because I think he could be a little bit more explosive on the feet. I think despite Fizioff pushing forward and probably doing some damage along the way, I think Dai Casey's going to be a little bit physically stronger. I think Dai Casey's going to be a little bit, again, kind of unorthodox with his striking, but pretty clean and powerful enough to do some damage. You might even catch Fizioff. I mean, we've seen him get knocked out again in his debut. I don't think that's truly what he's like. I think he's actually tougher than what he showed there, and it was just kind of almost a flukish type of uh, ending in his debut, but that being said, Dai Casey could definitely replicate that with his unorthodox striking style and that power and explosiveness that he has behind it. Uh, so I think in a three-round fight, it's going to be competitive. If it's the scorecards, Dai Casey can edge it out. If there's going to be a finish here, I think it's probably Dai Casey as well. So there are reasons to like Dai Casey's side here. I understand the line movement again, dropping off Fizioff, because I think there's a lot of decent opinions on that side. I think a a lot of people believe that Fizioff is legit. He's a real deal with this weight class. And I, I think that we're going to see that, you know, show up here in this fight here against Casey and in the future as well, win or lose. But I still think the time right now for Casey is now. And I think he's looking to improve on, you know, his performances of, as of late. I think he's rattled off some really solid victories and he's going to continue on that win streak here against Fizioff. So I think this should be an excellent fight, but I'm going to pick Dai Casey, and there might be a little bit of value on his side right now as well. But it's going to be interesting to see where this betting line closes because it might actually drop a little bit more. I mean, it's kind of on the rise again, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see more action on the dog because Fizioff is going to be kind of one of these, I think, hyped underdogs that a lot of people are going to respect. So we'll see where it closes, but I think it's kind of a Dai Casey or pass situation. But again, nothing that I would go crazy about and lay a lot of chalk on uh, or a lot of cash on, on Dai Casey because I think Fizioff is very game and he's going to show up to win his fight. So Dai Casey's my pick, though. Yeah, this fight's really interesting because on the feet, uh, Dai Casey has a power edge. Um, and I think in terms of tin chin strength, he definitely has the edge. I mean, we did see Fiziev get knocked out pretty brutally in his UFC debut, even if he did bounce back his last fight against White. Um, and Dai Casey has that explosive power to take Fiziev out at any moment. I mean, this guy has multiple fights in his uh, record where he's finished his opponent in 30 seconds or less. 
Um, so there's definitely the possibility that Daikisi, even while losing in the standup, just lands that big shot and puts, uh, Fiziev out. Um, you also have to factor in that Daikisi does have the wrestling edge here. He has a pretty strong wrestling attack and when he utilizes it, I mean, he can be pretty dangerous with it and he's got decent ground and pound. Um, top control isn't quite there. He doesn't have a huge submission skill, but he definitely can mix in takedowns. Um, as Nick said, Fiziev is, uh, a very talented striker. So I could see Fiziev winning this fight up until he loses it because, uh, Dai Casey lands that big shot or Dai Casey takes him down and goes to work with ground and pound. So, uh, this is a really compelling matchup, but I just think that Dai Casey has more ways to win with the takedowns, with the power, while Fiziev would need to outstrike him over the course of three rounds. I don't see Fiziev knocking Dai Casey out. He's pretty tough and he's got relatively good striking defense. Um, so, uh, overall, I just see Dai Casey having more ways to win, and I'm going to side with him. But Fiziev could pull off the upset if Dai Casey can't get takedowns and doesn't land that big shot. Now, moving up to the co-main event of the evening in the middleweight division, we have Jack Hermanson, who is 20-5, and five, taking on Kelvin Gastelum, who is 16-5. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Gastelum minus 150, Hermanson plus 130 and right now what we're seeing over at circus sports gasla minus 115 hermanson plus or minus 105 excuse me so minus 115 minus 105 right now obviously early action coming in on hermanson uh, across the donbass screen in the market i'm seeing hermanson actually a favorite at some spots so this line is going to be a pick across the board soon or hermanson's going to end up being the slight favorite here it seems like by the time these guys go off and fight so obviously there to me there's going to be some value that opens up a gaslam here but here's the thing man i mean hermanson is going to have a huge size advantage in this spot over Gaslam, obviously. I mean, his length and the ability that he has in the ground, if he's able to get top position or take Gaslam's back, Gaslam's going to be in some serious trouble. I could see this being a Weidman-like performance against Gaslam, where Gaslam may be having some success and then, you know, just not faring so well on the ground. I guess Hermanson, especially, that's his strong point. Hermanson's getting better even on the feet. I mean, we've seen that from him, but make no mistake, Gaslam is definitely the better overall fighter here. I think he's the better, more explosive striker. He's going to want to bounce back, obviously. Both these guys are going to want to bounce back coming off of losses, of course. But I think Gaslam kind of laid an egg. He was a little bit flat in that last fight against Till. Um, he wasn't quite himself. And here in this spot against Hermanson on the feet, I think if he could keep it upright and keep his... um distance a little bit and utilize well obviously he's going to want to close that gap but i think he's going to be fast enough and explosive enough that he's going to be able to, to land some shots on hermanson along the way so hermanson's going to want to kind of smother gaslam get this fight to the floor and again try to kind of replicate what weidman did to gaslam on the ground a little bit and try to end the fight that way it's very possible i think that's why people are betting hermanson in this spot um again i know he's improving improving he's kind of on the rise a little bit more as well but i still think it's a nightmare matchup for him if gaslam could fight smart and keep hermanson off his back or off you know the ground i think gaslam is definitely is the clear 
fighter here to win, and uh, I'm going to pick him to win actually as well. So uh, if this line does turn into a dog value, which is possibly can, like I mentioned right now, some books are leaning a little bit towards Hermanson. I think there is some value that opens up a Gaslam, but you have to be aware that the ground game is a legit threat for here for Hermanson. So you can't go nuts with this either. So I think Gaslam could win the fight and he should be the rightful favorite, but I can understand why people are supporting Hermanson. So my pick is Gaslam. I think he's got a realistic shot to actually finish this fight along the way as well by knockout. But if not, I think he could win on the scorecards as long as he doesn't get submitted underground. So my pick is Gaslam. Yeah, this really boils down to uh, which version of Gastelum shows up, because when the Gastelum shows up that took, you know, uh, the the champion Adesanya, the limit, um, he's dangerous. Uh, the one that knocked Michael Bisping out in the first round, um, the one that, uh, you know, destroyed Tim Kennedy and retired him, uh, you know, that's the version of Kelvin Gastelum that is you know, a title challenger, a title potential champion in the middleweight division. But there's also times that he doesn't show up. Like, you know, most recently, his last fight, Darren Till, uh, that was a winnable fight. And he just laid an egg and ended up losing a split decision uh, against somebody that I thought that he could get takedowns against, that he could even be competitive on the feet against. Um, and it just didn't happen. So if that version of Gastelum shows up against Hermanson, I could see him slowing down and Hermanson eventually getting takedowns potentially. And when Hermanson gets on top of you, you're in trouble, whether it's with submissions. He does have a pretty good guillotine choke, but he's particularly lethal with ground and pound. I mean, he has, I think, three or four ground and pound victories inside the octagon so i mean you just cannot take this guy lightly when he goes to the canvas against you um gastelum does have a pretty strong uh wrestling base and he's a good athlete so i don't see hermanson easily getting takedowns here unless gastelum gets lazy so uh and on the feet while hermanson is pretty aggressive and has made strides there uh, that's still by far his biggest weakness i mean you saw uh in his losses he was finished by Tiago Santos uh, on the feet, and most recently Jared Cannonier took him out pretty quickly on the feet. So, and Gastelum has the power to take him out, absolutely. Um, so, uh, I definitely favor Gastelum to get the job done, but I am definitely concerned, especially on a two-fight losing streak, where his confidence is, and um, and if he just starts off real slow and rusty, or just doesn't show up. There's definitely a path to victory here for Hermanson, but uh, I will side with Gastelum. Now, this brings us to the main event of the evening. We have a flyweight title bout rematch between Davis and Figueredo, who is 18 and 1, and Joseph Benavides, who is 28 and 6. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Figueredo minus 150, Benavides plus 130. That was the opener. And right now over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Figueredo minus 210. The comeback on Benavides at plus 180. As Brian mentioned, this is the second fight. They're fighting for the flyweight title, obviously. First time around, a lot of weird circumstances surrounding, including the ending. Uh, but that being said, Figueredo, not a surprise, man. This guy's so dangerous. Even if it's an accidental type of foul, if it's any limb and his body's dangerous, meaning he can knock you out with his knees, elbows, I think kicks, obviously punches as well. This guy's just a beast, man. And if 
and he's a dangerous fighter to mix it up with for five rounds. He does tend to slow down at times as the fight progresses, but I think he's made a lot of improvements in, in his overall game, including his wrestling, where Benavidez seems to have the advantage, but he didn't have a lot of success the first time around either. So it's going to be interesting. Benavidez did do pretty well up until the point where he didn't basically in that first fight. So, um, but it's a five round fight again. And I think even if Benavidez is the better fighter, he's out pointing Figueredo. Obviously Benavidez has power. Um, he's got a great submission game. The guy's a threat everywhere the fight takes place. He's been around this sport for a long time and has been one of the best flyweights in the world. One of the best bantamweights at one time in the world as well. So this guy's legit. Make no question about it. It's just, he's not getting any younger. Um, the younger, fresher fighter is still Figueredo in my opinion here. He's the more dangerous fighter. So again, in a five round fight, Figueredo is going to be dangerous to the point where I think he can catch Benavidez is right now this version of Benavidez even though he is the better I think overall and more complete fighter I think Figueredo is just too dangerous for him and I think he's uh it's a high risk fight for Benavidez and to not get caught in five rounds so I think it's going to probably happen again I think Figueredo is going to find his moment and probably finish Benavidez for the second time so um I think Benavidez will be game again he's one of the best lighter fighters meaning in the flyweight bantamweight divisions we've seen in the history of the sport that's how good this guy is for sure but he's just catching Figueredo I think at the wrong time Figueredo is on the rise Benavidez is probably on a bit of a decline if that's fair to even say um, so I just think that's honestly realistic at this point so my pick is Figueredo I think it is tough though I wouldn't lay minus 210 honestly at the betting window over Benavidez again we can't disrespect Benavidez that much he's a very capable fighter and Figueredo has made some mistakes in the past getting put on his back at times even though again Benavidez didn't have that much success in the first time uh, this is a completely different fight he's not a dumb fighter he's going to come prepared Figueredo again with the coronavirus situation who knows he had it he do- doesn't have it anymore just kind of a whirlwind around him right now so I don't think it's a smart move to lay that chalk honestly on Figueredo at this point um, but it's hard for me to bet Benavidez too. So I think it's kind of depending on where the line is and where you get the line. Of course, at minus 150 on the opener, I would have definitely bet Figueredo in that spot um, to win. But now, like I said, at minus 210, it's a bit tougher. But I am going to pick him to win. So I think Figueredo, by knockout, it is over Benavidez. Yeah, and I got to side with Figueredo as well. Uh, Benavidez is a talented fighter, um, and he was doing pretty well in the fight right up until he got knocked out the first time. But uh, Figueredo was also timing him really well. Um, Benavides was throwing more often. He was being the aggressor. He was pushing forward. But Figueredo, I thought, was landing the cleaner shots. He was more accurate. And the way Benavides was striking, you know, he was just winging these big overhand rights and also throwing some pretty heavy naked leg kicks. Um, they just left him so wide open to counter shots and eventually he got hit with a sharp right hand and got taken out. Um, and I think that that is probably what's going to happen again. Uh, in a five-round fight, with the way Benavidez's chin has really started to deteriorate over the course of his career and the fact that um, he now is 35 years old at 125 pounds, I mean, most guys that age are retiring um, and... I think Benavidez is getting a little bit closer to that point. Um, he's probably still good enough to beat most of the guys in the flyweight division just based on his natural talent and power, but that chin is starting to fail him, and I just don't think that he has the same striking technique as Figueredo. I, I think he can make up for it with uh, some power and uh, volume, but 
I think it's just a matter of time until Figueredo connects with a big shot and takes him out again. Um, I also thought that maybe Benavides could utilize his wrestling attack the first time and score takedowns. Um, but Figueredo's ground game looked legit in their first matchup. He actually was really threatened Benavides at one point with an arm bar, uh, and he was actually getting uh, the edge in the grappling exchanges for however brief they have lasted during the first fight. So I think that, you know, Benavides shooting in for takedowns probably isn't going to be the best strategy here uh, because he could get wrapped up with something. So I think feel like Figueredo actually has a very slight edge on the ground. And then on the feet, while Benavides does have the volume edge, um, Figueredo does have the technical edge and th- that, those counter strikes are brutal. So, um, I think Benavidez will possibly win the first round, but at some point he's going to get caught. And I think, uh, Figueredo by TKO is a, uh, pretty good prop bet if, uh, you want to take a shot on, I think, some plus money right now. So my bet and pick is going to be Figueredo. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Fight Island 2. If we have any free plays to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOBPremium on Twitter or check the free bet section on MMAOddsBreaker.com because that's where we'll post them first. We can also notify you of our free bets via email alert. If you prefer that method, just send an email to picks at MMAOddsBreaker.com and we'll add you to our free bet mailing list. Remember to check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.